This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, everyone. It's time for another two adventures from the tales of the Texas Rangers here at 1001 Stories of the Old West. Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Another authentic reenactment of a case transcribed from the files of the Texas Rangers. Dates and places in the following story are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Friends, every day, Monday through Friday, there's top entertainment all day long when you set your radio dial to NBC. Listen for Double or Nothing and you'll hear one of radio's funniest quiz shows. Yes, Walter O'Keefe consistently comes up with great comedy entertainment Monday through Friday on Double or Nothing. Listen and you'll agree. And then there's the program with a heart, Strike It Rich. The grand entertainment that Warren Hull brings you every day on Strike It Rich is just what the doctor ordered if you suffer from housework blues. From Chicago, Tommy Bartlett brings you welcome travelers and interviews with the many interesting guests who each day pass through the Windy City. And for more fun, listen for Bob and Ray, those two zany comics. Then there's Music and Charm with Dave Garraway. So remember, every day, Monday through Friday, chase your blues away with the wonderful daytime programs on this station of the NBC Radio Network. And now here's today's adventure with the tales of the Texas Rangers. And now, from the files of the Texas Rangers, the case called Sellout. It is 6.30 p.m. Friday, September 15, 1949, in Corvell, Texas. Jim Reeves, owner of the local hardware store, is waiting on his last customers at the end of the first day of a closing out sale. Well, that'll be $24.61 for the lot. Hey, thank you, Miss Clooney. And I sure hope everything will be satisfactory. Here's my ticket for the deep freeze, Jim. 148 bucks, I mind, huh? That'll do it, Charlie. Couldn't pick one up for a price like that any other time. <laughs> I know it. Ah, Jim, I just can't believe you're really leaving us. Getting too old for this kind of work, Charlie. 
Me and Carrie been looking forward a long time to living near Beth up there in Fort Worth. And sure glad the sale's been going so well. Been such a flock of people in and out of here all day. Looks like they bijou on bingo night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going real good. Think we'll be sold out tomorrow. Well, I ain't going to say goodbye now, Jim, because I'll be seeing you tomorrow anyway when I pick up that deep freeze. Of course you will. Night, Charlie. And thank you. Nancy. Did you call me, Mr. Reed? Yeah, I'm going to lock up now. Reckon you're about as tired as I am. I'm sure sorry I got the ticket on that pressure cooker mixed up, Mr. Reeves. Uh, don't you fret about a little thing like that, Nancy. You've been doing a good job. Don't know how I'd have got along without you. Better get what you want back there, mister, because I'm going to lock up now. I guess he didn't hear me. Uh, sorry, mister, but we're closing up for tonight. Sale'll still be on tomorrow. Well... What are you doing with that bandana on your face? Shut up and do like I tell you. This gun ain't no toy. Uh, what do you want? I want you to get moving and open up that cash register. Well, go on. Get going unless you want a load of lead in your belly. What is it, Mr. Rick? Oh. It's all right, Nancy. Just stay where you are. Now, come on. Open up that register and put the loot in this paper bag. Oh, Mr. Rick. Keep your trap shut, sister. And stay back. Uh, don't get scared, Nancy. Uh, mister, the money in this cash register is everything I got in the world, and... I'm not going to give it up to a sneaking thief. You'll put it in here or I'll plug you. Mr. Reeves, do like he tells you, or else you might get hurt. All right. Come on, come on, hurry up. I'm hurrying. Put the change in the bag, too. That all of it? Yes, yes. Okay, then. Now move over to that wall and turn your back. Go on, you too, sister. Go on. Hurry up, I said. Okay. Don't either one of you make a move for five minutes if you know what's good for you. Dirty sneak thief. I'm not going to let him get away with this. Please, Mr. Reeves, do like he told you. No, I ain't. I'm going to get his license number anyway. Mr. Reeves, please don't go out there. Mr. Reeves! Stop that man! Stop him! Uh, Mr. Reeves! Uh, Mr. Reeves! Uh, Jim Reeves was rushed to the local hospital, and the sheriff of Corvell County was summoned at once. Immediately, he notified the Texas Rangers. Ranger Jace Pearson arrived at the scene 45 minutes later and began talking to Nancy Taylor, the girl who witnessed the holdup. I know you've been badly shaken up, Miss Taylor, but I'm going to have to ask you to get hold of yourself and answer some questions. He never did anything to hurt anybody in his whole life. He was always... People. You want to help us find who shot him, don't you? Oh, yes, of course. All right, then. Try to remember what the man looked like. I told you, he had a bandana on. I couldn't see his face. How tall was he? I, I don't rightly know, Ranger, but he was a big fella. How big? About as tall as you are, I reckon. Oh, Mr. Reeves was always so good to everybody. You know what kind of a car the man was driving? It was black. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm certain. It was a black sedan. Yes, Sheriff. Hospital telephone. Jim Reeves just regained consciousness. We better get over there as fast as we can. Okay. I'll talk to you later, Miss Taylor. Is it going to be all right, Sheriff? I'm sorry to upset you anymore, but I'm afraid not, Nancy. Doc says it's only a matter of time. No use to operate now. (laughs) I told him not to run out there. I tried to make him stay inside. You get some rest if you can, Miss Taylor. We'll see you later. 
You poor kid. Yeah, a very nice experience for a girl. Get anything, Jace? Not much. She says she's sure the car was black. Charlie Pratt thinks the last four digits on the license were 2144. But he isn't sure. Who's he, Sheriff? He's the druggist down at the corner. Did he see the shooting? No, but he heard the shots and ran out in the street just as the car was driving off. 2144, huh? Yeah. I think we better send that out just on the chance he was right. I guess it wouldn't hurt. Unit 10 to KTXA. Unit 10 to KTXA. KTXA to Unit 10. Go ahead. Subject wanted for holdup and shooting in Corvell County this evening, believed to be about six feet two, said to be driving black sedan. One witness reports last four digits of license may be 2144. 2144. Alert all units and have license division check records of cars this description with matching digits. Unit 10 now proceeding to county hospital with the sheriff to interrogate victim. 10-4. We'll alert all units. 10-4. If no other traffic, Unit 10 clear. No other traffic. I guess just about everybody in Corvell is going to feel as bad about this as Nancy does. I'm feeling kind of shook up myself. You known him a long time? Oh, yeah. And I'm nicer fellow never lived than Jim Reeves. Carrie... That's his wife. Well, it'll be just like killing her, too, when they tell her. You been able to locate her yet? Nope. Neighbor says she's taken a bunch of things she didn't need over to a family on some ranch out yonder. Just like Carrie. Thinking of other folks, even when she's moving and all. Where were they moving? Fort Worth. And they were both looking forward, so, to going up there. Daughter's got a little cottage in the back of her place. And Jim and Carrie were always talking about Beth's kid and what a good time they were going to have being grandparents to Bunky. Thugs have a way of picking on good people. I don't know why. There are plenty of bad ones around. Good folks are more trusting, that's why. I swear I don't know what Carrie's going to do now, Jay. Our daughter will help her, won't she? Oh, sure, but Carrie's too conscientious to live on Beth. Jim worked a lot longer than he should have just so they could retire independent. I think Carrie'd take an old age pension first. Well, maybe we can raise some money for her on the hardware stuff that's left. Mm-hmm. Maybe, but I think Jim sold out most of his stock today. Might get that money back for her yet. I sure hope so, Jason. I hope Mr. Reeves can give us some kind of a lead to go on. It would help. Here we are. Room three. We can go right in, Jason. Uh, uh, Carrie? She's coming to you as fast as you can, Jim. Uh, Sheriff? Yeah, that's uh, me. Uh, have, you, have you got that filly yet? No, but we're uh, going to. This is Ranger Pearson, Jim. Oh, howdy. Uh, Sheriff. Yeah. Uh, Carrie's gonna need that money off of that. Don't you worry about anything now. No, don't give me that, Sheriff. I heard the doctor. I heard him talking. Uh, feels so tired. Mr. Reeves, have you any uh, idea who the man was who held you up? Uh, no. Must be getting old. Ought to be able to handle a fellow his size. I thought he was a big man. Uh-uh. Uh, little sheep. How tall was he? Uh, about five foot. Uh... Yes. Jace. Yeah. A few minutes after we left Mr. Reeves' room, his wife arrived at the hospital, and the sheriff and I had to tell her he had just died. She took it even harder than we thought she would. 
We didn't want Mrs. Reeves to stay alone that night, so we drove her to a neighbor's house. By the time we left her, it was too late to talk to the druggist, Charlie Pratt. So we went down to his drugstore the next morning. Morning, Charlie. Hello, Sheriff. You fellas located that runaway skunk yet? Not yet, but we're sure trying to. Ranger Pearson here wants to talk to you, Charlie. Just wanted to check a couple of things with you. I just can't believe it yet. Jim Reeves and me have been playing dominoes together every Saturday for nine to ten years now. It's terrible. It's just terrible. That's what it is. My wife and I were just saying Charlie, last night... did you get a look at the man? No. When I come out, he was whizzing around this corner in that light-colored sedan like a bat out of Hades. When Nancy Taylor said the car was black. Oh, that poor kid was so shook up, she probably don't know what she said. Could be. You're certain the car was light-colored, Mr. Pratt? I'm positive. You see, I was sitting up here at the counter. I was eating my supper. I remember that because I was thinking at the time how good them codfish balls tasted. Did you hear the shots? I sure did. It nearly knocked me off my stool. Then I ran out into the street and I saw this car screeching around the corner. I tried as hard as I could to get the license. We're sure grateful for that, Charlie. Then I I saw Nancy come running out of the store. Uh, She was the first one to get to Jim and... I reckon I got there next. You say the car turned the corner right here. Yeah. Oh, that poor kid. What a terrible sight for a young girl like that. Why, it's liable to give her nightmares for weeks, my wife says. Sheriff, if the car turned the corner here and Nancy came out of the store afterwards, then she couldn't have seen it. Well, I saw it, and you can strike me pink if I'm not right about its being kind of a light color. Well, thanks a lot, Mr. Pratt. Yeah, so long, Charlie. If there's anything more I can do to help you, you just let me know. Nancy's ma says she just went all two pieces last night. I'd sooner take Charlie's word for the color of the car. Look up the street, Sheriff. Yeah. She couldn't possibly have seen that car. No, not if it turned the corner before she came out. Well, I reckon Nancy's kind of mixed up about things. Yeah, she must be. I think we ought to have another talk with her, though. We may have radioed the wrong description of the car. We headed for Nancy Taylor's house. When we got there about 11, her mother told us she'd gone over to pay her respects to Mrs. Reeves. We drove over to the neighbor's where Mrs. Reeves was staying and waited in the car till Nancy came out. She was with her boyfriend, and we asked him to drive her down to the sheriff's office. We'd just gotten out of our car when they drove up behind us. I'll wait out here for you, honey. Will it take long, Sheriff? I can't tell. Why don't you come inside and wait, Bob? It'll be all right, won't it, Jake? Sure. Okay. Oh, try not to keep her any longer than you have to, will you, Sheriff? She had an awful bad night, Mrs. Taylor said. Mm, we'll make it as short as we can, Bob, but there are two or three things we want to clear up. But, uh, Ranger, I- I've told you everything I know about it. What more do you want to ask me that, that I haven't already talked to you about? Well, let me be sure and get your statement down as soon as we can, Nancy. The quicker we get at it, the more clearly you'll remember what happened. Yeah. Here, sit down here, Nancy. Right, thank you. Here's a chair for you, Bob. Oh, thanks. Nancy, we know when a thing like this happens, everybody gets a little excited. Oh, it's the worst thing I've ever been through. He was the sweetest old man. And poor Miss Reeves. Oh, I wanted to say something to make her feel better. I just couldn't think of a thing. Let me ask you something, Nancy. How tall did you say that fellow was? Well, uh, I don't know exactly, except he was pretty big. We talked to Mr. Reeves before he died. He seemed to think the man was fairly short. Oh, Ranger, I'm just sure he was a big, broad-shouldered man, kind of husky, as well as being tall. There's another thing, Nancy. Yes, sir? You told me the car you saw was black. Yes, sir? Are you sure it wasn't a lighter color? Well, uh, it could have been a real dark green, I guess. 
Why? We're having a little trouble getting the description of the car straight. Mr. Pratt says it was a light color. He's wrong, Ranger. I, I was closer than he was. Of course, he says by the time you came out, the car had turned the corner. Well, that isn't so. I ran right out there when I heard the shots. And, and I saw the car. It, it was either black or, or else maybe a very dark green. What's the matter? Don't you believe me? It's your statement. I want to write it down and have you sign it. Now? Uh-huh. Uh, can you wait, Bob? Excuse me, Ranger. I don't mean to be butting in, but couldn't you do that tomorrow? Nancy's been under an awful strain ever since this happened, and I know you'd get better results if you'd just let her get some rest. I'll get it. The sooner we get an accurate description of the car, the better chance Whoa. we have of catching the fellow. Well, uh, as I say, I'm not too sure whether it was black or green. Well, that's all right. You can put that down in your statement. Jason, maybe we better take Nancy's statement later. How come? License division says the number Charlie Pratt gave us belongs to a car dealer in El Monco. Got a lot of cars there with the same dealer's number. Green and black sedans both. You mean you, you found the car the fellow used? We don't know, but it looks like we're getting warmer. Maybe now you'll be able to track that guy down, huh? I hope so. Name of the dealer is Andy Rourke, Jase. Nancy, you stand by to identify him. Maybe we'll get that killing one bandit before you know it. In just a moment, we will continue with Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Friends, at this moment throughout the country, millions of motorists are beginning to wend their way home along crowded highways from a long Memorial Day weekend. It is at times such as these when accidents happen more frequently, when death and driving draw closer together. You can help to decrease the accident and death rate on our nation's highways Excessive speed for driving conditions is a major cause of many motor accidents. Control your speed at all times to keep within the safe speed, not just the legal limit. America's professional truck drivers are taught to drive ahead of themselves to avoid accidents by seeing them threaten before they can happen. They know that careful driving keeps them from having accidents which may take lives. Speed is the number one killer on the highways. So drive carefully today on your way home from an enjoyable weekend and tomorrow wherever you go in your car. Exercise caution, courtesy, and the golden rule for the life you save may be your own. Now the second act of Tales of the Texas Rangers. We continue now with Tales of the Texas Rangers and our authentic story, Sell Out. Sheriff and I decided the druggist, Charlie Pratt, was the best one to help us spot the car. We told the Taylor girl to be available in the event we picked up the killer, and we headed for El Montro. As we drove up to the dealer's place, two highway patrolmen were talking to a large man in the used car lot. Okay, Mr. Pratt. All right, Ranger. That must be Rourke standing over there with the patrolman. Say, Jace, he's a big guy, isn't he? I guess Nancy's description was right. Yeah. Howdy, boys. Howdy, You Andy Rourke? Yeah. I'd like to ask you a few questions, if you don't mind. Well, I've answered so many from the highway patrol today, I'm getting kind of used to it. That's fine. Look, Ranger, what is this? Sergeant here says you got me mixed up in that murder up in Corvell yesterday. That's right. Witness saw your license on the murder car. That's a dealer's license. Got it on most of my cars sitting here in the lot. Where were you about 6.30 yesterday evening, Mr. Rourke? I was out demonstrating one of my cars to a customer. 
What's his name? I don't know. Some fella going through town. You know where we could reach him? No, I don't. That's not much of an alibi, Rourke. You got any black sedans or dark green ones in here? Sure, I got two black sedans and one dark green one. Range, I'm dead sure it was a lighter color. You mind if we look around? Help yourself. Only get it over with, will you? I wouldn't be given orders if I were you, Rourke. Uh, sorry, Ranger. I'll be around if you need me. Suppose you come along and start showing us those sedans. Okay. There's the two black ones over there and the dark green ones over yonder. Take a good look at these cars now, Mr. Pratt. Uh, no, no, it wasn't either one of these. I'm still dead sure it was kind of light-colored. You got any light-colored cars, Rourke? What color? We don't know exactly. Uh, hey, 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 here it is. This is the one, Ranger. I know it just as sure as I'm standing here. Are you positive? Yeah, that's the one. You see those vertical guards in the bumper? Mm-hmm. Well, the reason I couldn't get the whole number is because those stuck up in front of the plate. I remember now. Was this the car you were demonstrating yesterday, Mr. Rourke? Say, say, wait a minute. I'm waiting. Come to think of it, I loaned that car to a fellow yesterday. What was his name? Well, darn if I can remember now. Come in here and wanted a grease job done on his car. Needed transportation and took kind of a shine to this sedan. Thought I might sell it to him if I let him use it for a few hours. Don't you keep a record of the names of people who borrow your cars? Yeah, yeah, I got it right in my book here. Ah, yeah, here it is. Robert Thatcher. RFD 43 Corvell. Let me see that. Robert Thatcher. Uh-huh. Nancy Taylor's boyfriend. We headed back to Corvell. By 6.30, we'd picked up a warrant for Thatcher's arrest and drove out to his house. His mother answered the door. Howdy, Miss Thatcher. Well, hello, Sheriff. Is uh, Bob at home? No, he ain't. Oh, uh, well, when do you expect him? Well, I don't rightly know, Sheriff. Ranger and I'd like to talk to you for a minute, ma'am. Well, all right. Come in. When did Bob leave, Mrs. Thatcher? Oh, about an hour ago, I reckon. Why? Can you tell us where he went? I didn't have no chance to ask him. What you want with him? Ma'am, I'm sorry to be the one to break it to you, but it looks like he's in trouble. Serious trouble? Yeah. We want to talk to him about Jim Reeves' murder. We have evidence he was probably driving the murder car the evening it happened. I don't believe it. You know if Bob owns a gun? No, we don't. Have you ever seen a thirty-two around the house? No. I sure am sorry to distress you with this, ma'am. But it does look funny Bob's taking off so sudden. Wait a minute. The, the reason Bob took off, Sheriff, was because he'd been having a fuss with his girlfriend. Nancy Taylor? Yeah. But the kids come home this afternoon and they told me they were going to lope. That don't sound like he's mixed up in no murder, does it? Did Nancy go with him? No. They had a little tiff while they were sitting out in the car. You know how kids are. Used to be kind of ornery like that myself. And, and while Bob was packing, Nancy run off. Do you know where she went? No. Oh, she's all upset, and Bob, he run after her. Well, when he come back, he said he left her down by the creek somewheres. He was mad, but... I reckon you'll cool off and come home before nightfall. Mrs. Thatcher, I've only one horse in my trailer. You got one the sheriff could borrow? Well, yes, I think so. Why? I reckon we'd better see if Nancy's all right. Ranger, if you're thinking my Bob might have done something to Nancy, well, you're wrong. Maybe we are, ma'am, but we're not taking any chances. (laughs) 
Mrs. Thatcher stood by the corral fence, staring after us as we picked up the double tracks and rode out across the field. They led to a dry wash and were fairly easy to follow. Oh, oh, Chark. Oh, oh, oh. Look, Sheriff. Yeah. Thatcher's steps turn back here and hers go on. You think she's all right, then? I hope so. Let's move on a little farther and see where these tracks lead. Get up, boy. Come on. Oh, wait a minute. Hold it, Sheriff. Oh, oh, Chark. What is it, Jace? Oh, oh, oh. Tracks stop here. Must be close by. Oh, I'm mighty relieved it's you, Ranger. Sit down here on this log a minute, Nancy. You look pretty tuckered. Oh, I'm not tuckered, Sheriff. I'm plumb terrified. If I couldn't run fast, I'd be dead by now. He was going to get me. He meant it, too. Bob Thatcher? Yeah. You see, when he heard you were going down to the car lot, he knew you'd find he borrowed that car. So he told me all about it. Killing Jim Reeves, you mean? Yeah. Oh, of course, I was just horrified. I didn't want to have any more to do with him. Imagine killing that sweet old man. Yeah, I was thinking about it. Well, when I told Bob how I felt about, about crime and, and the like, he just turned on me and started slapping me around. Oh, it was awful. It scared me half to death. He said he'd kill me if I wouldn't run off with him. Imagine trying to get me mixed up in this thing. You are mixed up in it. Why, Ranger... I didn't have anything to do with shooting him. You had plenty to do with framing the holdup that led to the killer, though, didn't you? Oh, Granger, I just can't understand how you can even think anything so awful, let alone say it to me. You can stop crying, Miss Taylor, because it isn't fooling anyone anymore. What do you mean? I mean you tried to throw us off the track by lying to us and giving us wrong information about the man's height and the color of the car. Oh, well, gee, Ranger, he was my boyfriend. I... I was just trying to protect him until I could persuade him to give himself up. I was just being loyal. You, you know how women are. I thought you said a minute ago you didn't know anything about it till this afternoon. Did I? I'm just all mixed up, that's all. You sure are. You're coming in with us now. Ranger, listen. Would it help you any if I told you what Bob told me about the money? What about the money? Well, you see, he put it in the Grain Exchange Bank down in Elvira Saturday morning. Before he knew about the license number. Yeah. Well, the bank was closed at noon Saturday, and, and all day Sunday he couldn't get it out. You mean he's going to pick it up Monday morning? Oh, I'm dead sure he will. That, that is, knowing Bob, I, I don't think he'd leave without it. Without even knowing him, I don't think so either. Come on, Miss Taylor. I'm taking you into town. Going to drop you off the county jail. Oh, me? Well, I've just been trying to help you, Ranger. You have. And we'll be on hand to meet your boyfriend when the bank opens Monday. <laughs> When the bank in Elvira opened Monday morning, the sheriff and I were staked out across the street and around the corner from the building so we could see Thatcher when he showed up. We told the manager of the bank our plan, and he gave us a key to the back door. Two minutes after the bank opened, Thatcher appeared. As soon as he was inside, we moved up closer. You think we ought to grab him now, Jace? No, wait till he draws the money out. You go in the front, Sheriff. I'm going to hot-foot it around to the back door. You got the key? Yeah, right here. Now, don't go up to him until you see me open the back door, Sheriff. Remember that. Because then if he gives us any trouble, I can grab him. Okay, Jason. All right, Thatcher, let's have that cash. All right, Sheriff, don't you come any closer. I'm warning you. Put down that gun, Thatcher. 
Well, you've already killed one man. What makes you think I'd mind killing another? The first one's the hardest, you know. Put that gun down. You don't step aside, Sheriff. I'll put a bullet right in your gullet. With this gun, Thatcher. We need it for evidence. Give me that gun. Give it to me. All right. I didn't mean to kill the old man, Ranger. Get up. The gun just went off in my hand, honest. Yeah. Guns have a way of doing that when you point them at people. And when you hold someone up with them, they usually backfire. In just a moment, we will tell you the results of the case you have just heard. Friends, later today, Meredith Wilson joins your Sunday lineup of enjoyable radio programs on the NBC radio network. Meredith Wilson's music room is the locale of his new Sunday show, and you'll hear Meredith's talking people as well as your favorite music. So remember to tune for Meredith Wilson's music room later today. Also on your entertainment list today is the First Nighter, Presenting Barbara Luddy and Olin Soule in another presentation from the Little Theater off Times Square. Then more drama awaits you on Theater Guild on the air. Today's Theater Guild presentation, a dramatic story entitled Remember the Day. It stars Helen Hayes and MacDonald Carey. And from the armed forces of our nation comes another fine program today. Stars in Cocky and Blue, it's called. You'll enjoy this program and the talented service men and women to whom it gives an opportunity to perform. Yes, Sunday brings most enjoyable listening for you on NBC. So stay tuned to this station. Stay tuned for Meredith Wilson's Music Room, The First Nighter, Theater Guild on the Air, and all the rest. Now the conclusion of today's Tales of the Texas Rangers. And now, here are the results of the case you have just heard. Ballistics prove that the bullet which entered Jim Reeves' body came from Thatcher's thirty-two revolver. Thatcher signed a full confession and was sentenced to life imprisonment in the state penitentiary at Huntsville. Nancy Taylor received a sentence of 15 years in the women's prison at Gory. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Technical advisor was Captain M.T. Lone Wolf Gonzalez of the Texas Rangers. This story was transcribed and adapted by Betty Mears, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keith. Hal Gibney speaking. Next, the chase brings you more adventure on most of these NBC stations. This is NBC. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business 
but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Another authentic reenactment of a case transcribed from the files of the Texas Rangers. Dates and places in the following story are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Friends, every day, Monday through Friday, there's top entertainment all day long when you set your radio dial to NBC. Listen for Double or Nothing and you'll hear one of radio's funniest quiz shows. Walter O'Keefe consistently comes up with great comedy entertainment Monday through Friday on Double or Nothing. Listen and you'll agree. And then there's the program with a heart, Strike It Rich. The grand entertainment that Warren Hull brings you every day on Strike It Rich is just what the doctor ordered if you suffer from the housework blues. And from Chicago, Tommy Bartlett brings you Welcome Travelers, interviews with the many interesting guests who each day pass through the Windy City. And for more fun, listen for Bob and Ray, those two zany comics. Then, of course, there's Music and Charm with Dave Garraway. So remember, every day, Monday through Friday... Chase your blues away with the wonderful daytime programs on this station of the NBC Radio Network. Now, here's today's Tales of the Texas Rangers. And now, from the files of the Texas Rangers, the case called Illegal Entry. It is 10.30 on a night late in August, 1940. In the southwest Texas town of El Corso, near the border, the streets of the Mexican section are dark and quiet. 
A man stands smoking a cigarette in a doorway on one of the darker streets. When he hears steps approaching, he throws his cigarette away. Hey, senor. See? Si. I want to ask you something. See? Si. What is it? You know some people named Gomez live on this street? <laughs> senor, on this street are maybe ten Gomez families. Which one you mean? They're supposed to live at number 624. I couldn't find the house. Well, this is no surprise. The house numbers, they go only to 500. This can't be. Here, look, it's written on this piece of paper, 624. Yes, it's too dark. I cannot see the paper. Can you see this knife? Kite. You make one move, you never move again. What do you want? Your money, give it to me, all of it. I got no money. Give it to me. I say I got no money. If I got money, you... You're not going to get it. Oh, you dirty... I'll kill you. Give me that knife. See, i give it to you. Ah! I am a Help! Help! Shut up, you! Help! Help! Stop back here! Stop him! Stop this thief! 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 Si, senor, what do you want? Where's that door, Lito? Out the back. Come on, we go out. No, senor. You I... want me to use this knife on you? Senor, I... Come on, I said. Wait a minute. This pocketbook on the table. You got money in there? Senor, please. It's my paper the whole way, please. See, see, this is better. Eh. Now we go down. Oh, no. Go on, go down. And remember, the knife and me will ride behind you. Come on, hurry. Get good of Come here. Now look, we're going out to the street. Anybody stop us, we're just out for a walk. You hear that? Now, put your arms through mine. The knife? See? And if you tip off anybody, I push that knife right through you. Now, come on. Walk. This way, to the right. Where are you taking me? Shut up and walk. Faster. Come on, faster. The people searching for the fugitive became suspicious when they saw a light on the Maria Santos' front door and failed to receive an answer to their knocking. The sheriff was summoned. When he gained entrance to the room and saw the back door open, he phoned for assistance from the Texas Rangers. Rangers Jace Pearson and Clay Morgan were assigned. Ranger Morgan arrived first, and after a preliminary investigation, went out to his car to send a radio call. Can KDXA give lab crews approximate time of arrival? Lab crew will be at El Corso within two hours. 10-4, unit 22 clear. KDXA Austin. Over here, Jace. Been here long, Clay? Oh, maybe half an hour. Left the sheriff in charge upstairs. The report I got said a hold-up man stabbed somebody. Yeah, and then took off. Happened about two hours ago. Fellow hurt bad. Just his arm. He helped chase the thief. People around here think the man went into this building. What do you think? Well, I know he's not here now. There's a room upstairs with a back door open. Man could have gotten in and taken the girl that lived there along with him for protection. Sure she wasn't in on the deal? Well, I thought of that, but the fellow who was stabbed said there was only one person. The stuff from the girl's purse is dumped all over the place. She could have been robbed, too. Anybody get a good look at the thief? Well, the victim said the man was Mexican. Couldn't see his face, though. Too dark. Uh, any possibility of prints up in the girl's room? Well, I found a few on her purse. Pretty blurred. They could be the girls. I call the lab, anyhow. Uh-huh. 
Well, looks like our best bet's to find that girl. You have a description of her? Better than that. Found a picture in her room. Yeah, one on the left is her. I'm going to take it over to the sheriff's office now and put it on the wire. Anybody doing a house-to-house? Yeah, the deputies are taking care of that. Well, I better get moving. You coming along? No, I reckon I'll get upstairs and have a quick look around. And I'll give those deputies a hand looking for the girl. Okay, Jay. See you as soon as I get... Clay! Clay! Oh, hello, Sheriff. Oh, howdy, Jace. You're just in time. All right, what's up? My deputy called. They've located Maria Santos. You all right? I don't know. My men found her in a boxcar down at the freight yards. When we arrived at the freight depot, we saw attendants carrying Maria Santos on a stretcher toward an ambulance. She'd been badly beaten, but she was still conscious. We decided that since she was the only person who had seen the man we were after, it was necessary to get a statement from her immediately. I got the doctor's permission to question Maria on the way to the hospital. As soon as she was settled in the ambulance, I climbed in. He could still be around the yard somewhere, Clay. Yeah, Sheriff and I will go over the place with a fine-tooth comb. See you later, Jace. I'm Ranger Pearson, Miss Santos. Oh, did do you find him yet? No. That's why I'd like to ask you a few questions. Will it hurt you too much to talk? I can talk, senor. It's only that... Oh, my side. Did he stab you? When, when we walked to the freight yards, he held a knife at my side. And he kept sticking me. You get a good look at his face? Oh, see, si, senor. The face I will never forget. Have you ever seen him before? No, senor. I, I don't think he's from El Corso. Maybe... Maybe he's from Mexico. Can you give me an idea what he looked like? Something that'll help us identify him. Well, he had two scars. What kind of scars? One under his eye, a little one, and a bigger scar at the corner of his mouth. Make him look like he's always smiling. But this man, he's not the kind who smiles. Did he take you directly from your room to the freight yards? Yes, he made me walk through the streets with him. Sometimes we pass people, and I want to yell, but he had the knife at my side. He kept sticking what happened when you got to the freight yards? Well, we walked and we keep on walking. I was tired, but he wouldn't let me stop. Then I heard the sheep cry. The sheep? You see, on the freight train, the train began to move and... Oh, all of a sudden, this man, he get excited. he make me run over to a boxcar to stand by itself. Was that when he hit you? I think so. It's hard to remember now. Did you see where he ran after he hit you? No, senor. The last thing I remember, I see his face. His mouth that looked like he was smiling. And you don't have any idea if he ran toward that moving train? No. Senor, this money, you think maybe he'd get away on the train? That's hard to say, Miss Santos. We're going to do our best to find out. As soon as we reached the hospital, I got a ride back to the freight yards. Our man had not been found. I figured it was more than an even chance he had escaped on the freight train Maria described. I checked with the train master. He informed me that a train carrying sheep had left several hours before. It was a slow freight due in Lubbock at noon the next day. I picked up Clay and we headed north on the highway which paralleled the railroad tracks. Ought to be catching up with the train pretty soon, Jase. Uh-huh. What do you figure on doing when we come alongside? Which we can do till it's light. I was thinking about that. If we try to stop the train now, they might get away in the dark, but it won't be light for over an hour. Yeah, no. Hey, bet that's it up ahead. Aren't those caboose lights? Yeah, looks like them. She's not moving very fast. Gives you a funny feeling knowing our man might be riding that baby. Wish we could be sure, though. 
I got a hunch he had a train getaway in mind when he took the girl down to the freight yards in El Corso. What are we going to do? Drive alongside the train till daylight? Uh, it's too risky. If he is aboard and happens to spot us, he'll get suspicious and skip. Be better if we stop someplace up ahead and wait for him. Got any ideas? Not yet. Get the map out of the glove compartment, will you, Clay? Yeah. What do you want to know? See if you can locate the next station the train's due to pass through. All right. Let's see. Yeah, nearest town from here would be Hamlet, about 12 miles up ahead. 12 miles. That won't give us too much time. Anything north of that? Mm, not for 40 miles. Well, then it'll have to be Hamlet. What do you have in mind? We'll need some advice about the best place to have the train stopped. We've got to get word to the engineer and warn him what's going to happen. Unit 10 to KTXA. KTXA to Unit 10. Go ahead, Unit 10. This unit now alongside northbound freight train number 24, positioned 12 miles south of Hamlet. Believe man who committed El Corso holdup aboard train. Can KTXA relay message immediately to railroad operations chief? Can do. What is the message, Unit 10? In order to make search of train as early as possible after daylight, this unit requests that engineers stop train at some suitable point north of Hamlet, Texas. Suggest unpopulated open area to be selected to reduce chance of fugitives escape. 10-4. This unit will check with Hamlet Station Master to learn if message was received in time for him to deliver it to train. 10-4. Unit 10, clear. Now there's the engine, Jace. Sure is it straining up that hill. Yeah, let's hope it keeps on moving slow. A lot of things have to happen before that train passes through Hamlet. door must be around the other side. Yeah. Sounds like the station master's doing some typing. It could be the message for that freight. If he doesn't type any faster than that, the train will be in Lubbock before he finishes. Howdy, gents. Hey, you must be them rangers want to have 24 stop. That's right. Just got the message in on the ticker here. Typing it up now. And don't let us disturb you. Oh, you ain't disturbing me. Not a bit. As long as I've been here, I learned how to type pretty good. And talk same time. Uh-huh. Uh, gonna have the engineers stop 24 up at Twin Forks Junction. Uh, if that's all right with you fellas. How far is that from here? Uh, 18 and a half miles. Or it'd be good and light time she gets there. Uh, pretty flat country? Oh, flat in the palm of your hand. You can see two, three miles both sides of the track. That's fine. Hey, isn't that the train? Yep, yep, that's her. Yeah, right on time, too. Well, you sure you're gonna finish that message before it gets here? Why, sure. She's got a good quarter mile yet. Here we are. Now, just get me a couple of order hoops, my landed. I'll be ready. Can we help you? Nope. I got them right over here. Yep. Say, uh, understand there's some kind of criminal on that train. We think so. Uh, I don't want to rush you, but that train sounds pretty close. Now, now, don't you worry, Ranger. She's only down by the first switch. Got plenty of time. Old Steve Dillon and his conductor will have their arms through those hoops just when they're supposed to. Uh, say, uh, you rangers want to come out on the platform with me? Yeah, we'll come along, but we'll have to stay out of sight in case our man happens to be watching. Uh, sure. Uh, you can stand right behind these posts here. Thanks. Uh, can't nobody see from the train behind these here posts. Uh, be back in a minute or two, rangers. By the way, he was moving. I was sure he wouldn't make it. 
Reckon when you've been at this as long as he has, you get pretty good at timing. Engineer got the one hoop. Yeah, keep your eyes open, Clay. Maybe we'll spot somebody aboard. Not if he'll poke his nose out now. Probably sleeping. Maybe so. Mostly sheep card. Not likely he's one of those. Yeah, it's hard to say. There's enough others for him to hide in. Trevor, John! Well, well, he got the message, Rangers. Reckon the rest is up to you. Thanks. Come on, Clay. Let's go meet a train. In just a moment, we will continue with Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Have you ever seen lightning strike? Then you know how cerebral palsy strikes, swiftly, crazily, without warning. And it could happen to you or to your child. If you should be stricken as a result of an accident or shock or illness, you'd need costly and highly specialized care. But would that care be available? It's shocking but true that right now, 92 out of every 100 who suffer from cerebral palsy must go without that necessary care because there just aren't enough facilities. Think of it, hundreds of thousands of people suffering needlessly when they could be helped. But in spite of this tragedy, there's still hope, real hope that stems from present-day research and treatments. You can help the more than 550,000 sufferers of cerebral palsy get these vitally needed benefits and become self-sufficient citizens. Send your contributions to United Cerebral Palsy, care of your local postmaster. Forget them not. And now, the second act of Tales of the Texas Rangers. We continue now with Tales of the Texas Rangers and our authentic story, Illegal Entry. We drove toward Twin Forks Junction, where the train was due to stop. On the way, we radioed headquarters and asked for some officers from the nearest town to assist us. Four of them were waiting when we arrived just past daybreak at the junction. As I gave the men last-minute instructions, the train was visible in the distance. We don't have much time, men, so we better get moving. Constable, you take a man and head down the track. Work from the caboose forward as soon as the train stops. You other two men cross the track. When the train stops, split up and work from the middle toward both ends. If you spot them, sing out. Reckon we better get the rifles, Jace, just in case he makes a break across that flatland. Yeah. Sure hope he hasn't jumped off somewhere along the line. If he got on, I don't think he jumped. He doesn't know we're on his trail. I guess you're right, it's that. He'd be anxious to get as far as he could from El Corso. Hey, here she comes. We better get over and signal the engineer exactly where we want him to stop. Seems like he's going pretty fast. Reckon that old station master got the message mixed up? I don't think so. She's starting to slow down now. Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Want to try this boxcar first? Uh-huh. Not in here. Next one's a sheep car. Probably won't find him in there. Well, we just checked to make sure if he... Play. Huh? That gondola car down there. Yeah. Yeah. 
Somebody poked his head over the side, just for a second. Come on, we know you're in there. Come on out. Sure you saw him? Hold this rifle. I'm going up and get him. Right. I'll keep it covered, Jace. Oh, watch yourself. Okay, you. Come on, get up and get out of that corner. I said, come on. I guess you take it. Drop that knife. Let me go. Let me go. I said, drop that knife. That's better. Now I'll take it. My shoulder. Come on, get out of this car. Move. Okay, up over the side. You all right, Jake? Yeah. you want from me? I didn't do nothing. Yeah, it looks like the boy we want, Jason. Uh-huh. Those two scars on his face, check with the description. <laughs> Tell the engineer to go ahead, Clay. Sure. Okay, we've got him. What's your name? I didn't do nothing. What do you want me for? What's your name? Jose Lagura. You're under arrest, Jose. Okay. Robbery, assault, and kidnapping. Come on. I don't go nowhere. Grab him, Jay. Grab him. You don't get me. Put the cuffs on him, Clay. Yeah. You got the wrong man, senor. I didn't do nothing. Maybe not. A couple of people saw you last night. Could be you'll change your tune when they see you again. Come on. We took our prisoner back to El Corso and delivered him to the sheriff. For two hours, Jose denied all charges against him. At noon, the sheriff had him taken back to his cell. We phoned the hospital and learned that Maria Santos and Felipe Rivera, the man who had been stabbed, were both well enough to come down and make an identification. I picked up the two witnesses, and at one o'clock, we walked along the courthouse corridor. Senor, you're sure when I see this man, he will not hurt me? There's not much chance of that, miss. He's scarce. Just to remember him is enough to make my backbone cold. I'd like to have him alone for five minutes. Only five minutes. He is a bad one, this man. Yeah? Just go right in. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what we wanted to know. You have a record of the girl's name? Yeah, I'll hold on. Getting some interesting dope on our board, Jase. Good. You remember Miss Santos and Mr. Rivera? Sure. Both of you feeling better today? Oh, si, senor. Much better. The sheriff in the next room? Uh-huh. Doing some paperwork. You folks make yourselves comfortable. I'll be right back. I got the witnesses outside, Sheriff. Yeah, fine, on. Chase. I'll phone upstairs and have my deputy bring Jose down. Be I'll be in there as soon as I finish this report. Okay, Take thanks. your time. Uh, so long. Come here a second, Chase. Uh-huh. Seems Jose is quite a record here and in Mexico. What's he been up for here? Well, petty theft. He moved around a labor contract about 15 months ago. Got a 60-day sentence after he'd been here a month. He's deported as soon as he was released from jail. How about in Mexico? He's wanted there for armed robbery. Could be why he didn't head back over the border after last night. There might be another reason. What's that? A girl by the name of Lupe Alvarez. How does she fit in? Jose used to go with her. At his trial, he told the judge he stole the money so he could marry her. Howdy, folks. Reckon you can identify the man who roughed you up last night? I know him, senor, but if I hear his voice... I will know his face. It's hard to forget. Yeah. He should have been down here by now i better go see what's holding up the works. Remember now, when he comes in, you don't have to say anything till he's out of the room again. Just take a good look at him. You will ask him to talk, senor? Sure, we'll have him talk. I'm still afraid, senor. Now, you don't have to worry about a thing, Miss Santos. Hey, hey, 
What's that? Sounds like the sheriff's calling us. Come on. Yeah. Where are you, Sheriff? Up here on the stick. Right up here. Holy, it's the deputy. What happened, Sheriff? He's been slugged and his gun's gone. Jose's gotten away. We sent out an all-points bulletin on Jose, and we started combing the town for him. He had disappeared without leaving a trace. We decided that Lupe Alvarez, the girl whose name appeared on Jose's record, might possibly give us a lead. Following day, we checked her home in Laredo. An aunt told us that Lupe and her family were in North Texas picking cotton. Could be found on a farm outside Middle River. On the afternoon of the next day, we arrived at the farm. Lupe was out in the fields, but the foreman pointed out her mother lugging a sack of cotton toward the scales. Gee, gee, I am Rose Alvarez. You excuse him. So out of breath, but it's hard work to carry the cotton. We'd like to talk to you about your daughter, Mrs. Alvarez. Well, Lupe? Lupe's done nothing, senores. We know that. We're trying to find a friend of hers, Jose Lagura. Oh, this one. He's no friend of Lupe. Didn't she used to go with him? No, senor. Oh, once Lupe, she go out with Jose. Oh, she do not like him. Jose, he's crazy for her. He run after her. He make Lupe afraid. He's a bad one, this Jose. Has Lupe heard from him recently? No, senor. Lupe, she does not even know he's back from Mexico. How'd you know he was back? Why should I not know, senor? He was here only a few hours ago. What? See, when I bring the load of cotton before this one, Jose, he stand by the scale. He look like crazy, man. He see me, he asked me where Lupe is. You tell him? Me tell Jose where Lupe is? No, senor. I lie to him. I say Lupe is in town today. Do you know where Jose went? See, si. First he tried to borrow money from me. When I say no, he go to Juan, the boy who drive one of the trucks to the cotton gin. He asked Juan for a ride into town. Did he take him? See, si. Juan, he does not like Jose, but he's a nice boy. He take Jose with him. Juan come back yet? No, senor. Many trucks come to the cotton gin. Sometimes Juan have to wait six to eight hours. Maybe he's still there. Thanks. Uh, please, senores, if you find Jose, you will not tell him where Lupe is. He will make trouble for her. Don't worry, senora. If we find Jose, we're going to see he doesn't make trouble for anybody. Not for a long while. We went to the cotton gin and found Juan, the boy who had driven Jose into town. His truck was in the middle of a line of trucks which moved slowly toward the gin. Juan told us Jose had borrowed $3 from him and gone on into town to get something to eat. He'd asked Juan to wait at the gin, saying he wanted to ride with him back to the farm. We decided our best chance for picking up Jose was to watch Juan's truck. We stood behind an empty wagon near the gin and waited. I don't know, Jase. It's been over an hour. Maybe we'd have done better to cover the town instead of waiting for him here. Maybe. But I think he'll head back here. He wanted to get out to the farm, make another try to see Loopy. Could have walked. Uh, not likely he did. Six miles out there. He knows he's got a sure ride here with Juan. All the same, I'd feel better if I knew exactly where he was. Don't forget he's got that deputy's gun and he... Clay. Huh? Walking toward the truck. Yeah. Look at the way he's staggering. Hey, hey, Since he didn't use that three dollars for food. Why you Let's go. You're no good. You work all the time. What's the matter? You work all the time, Juan. Huh? Forget about Juan. You can talk to us now. What? 
No, no. Stand still, Jose. Get the gun, Clay. Yeah. I got it. How you find it? The dirty one, he tell you, huh? Come on, Jose. You're a popular boy back in El Corso. We want to get you there fast. No, I don't go. Let's get moving. No, I don't go to El Corso. It'll only be for a little while, Jose. And I think the state will give you a more permanent home. In just a moment, we will tell you the results of the case you have just heard. Later today, friends, you're invited to hear the sparkling premiere performance of a new radio series, Best Plays. Best Plays will present a series of one-hour adaptations of many of the nation's great stage shows. Today, you will hear Maxwell Anderson's Winter Set, co-starring Burgess Meredith and Maureen Stapleton. Then later, be sure to hear Meredith Wilson's Music Room. Meredith will bring you the finest in recorded music, as well as interviews with some of the music world's greatest artists. Yes, Meredith Wilson's Music Room is another new addition to your Sunday lineup of great radio listening on the NBC Radio Network. And tomorrow, you'll hear more top musical entertainment on NBC. Monday's musical offerings this week include Eleanor Steber on The Voice of Firestone, Dorothy Warrenshold and Gordon McRae on The Railroad Hour, and Michael Rabin on The Telephone Hour. So make your Monday evening listening a relaxing pleasure by tuning to all these wonderful musical shows. Now here is the conclusion of tonight's Tales of the Texas Rangers. And now here are the results of the case you have just heard. Jose Lacuro was tried and convicted on counts of armed robbery, felonious assault, and kidnapping. He was sentenced to 23 years in the state prison at Richmond, Texas. The Mexican government requested that upon his release, he be sent to Mexico to serve sentence for crimes committed in that country. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Joel McRae is currently seen starring in San Francisco Story, a Warner Brothers release. In the cast, you heard Herb Ellis as Ranger Clay Morgan. The role of Jose Lagura was portrayed by Tony Barrett. And Lillian Bayef was Maria Santos. Jeanette Nolan was heard as Rosa Alvarez. Hal March played the role of the sheriff, and the station master was Jan Arvin. Technical advisor was Captain M.T. Lone Wolf Gonzalez of the Texas Rangers. This story was transcribed and adapted by Charles E. Israel, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keats. Hal Gibney speaking. Tonight, The Chase brings you more adventure on NBC. Thanks for joining us for Tales of the Texas Rangers with Joel McRae. This is your host and storyteller, John Hagedorn. This is 1001 Stories from the Old West. Reviews are always appreciated. Stay safe, everyone, and we'll be back soon.
Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.